Welcome to the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. My name is Natalie Nidham. I'm a nutritionist, a human potential, and epigenetic coach, and I created this podcast to bring you the latest ways to take control of your health and longevity. We cover it all, from new technology to ancestral health practices, personalized interventions, and a very special interest of mine, peptides. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, guys. Today's episode is a deep dive back into the science of molecular hydrogen. I know that most of you who've been listening to this podcast have heard about molecular hydrogen before. And as a matter of fact, my guest today, it's our second go around together. Uh, we recorded our first podcast together at the beginning of my podcast in the fall of 2020. His name is Alex Tarnava, and um, he is one of the developers or the founders of the Open Cup tablet molecular hydrogen technology. I think I said all those words in the right order. Maybe not. Bottom line, those molecular hydrogen tablets that we drop into our water that then release high dose molecular hydrogen that we are then able to drink and bring to our bodies as a powerful signaling molecule that it is, he's responsible in large part for that. And you know, it's funny. I think one way that we could describe Alex is really as a problem solver and as a truth seeker, because he came to this vocation or passion, if you will, in terms of his career, really because he was looking to solve a problem for himself and he couldn't find a good enough solution. And so he dug and he dug. And when he found out that there wasn't the right solution out there for him, he went out and found someone who could partner with him and help him not only to create it for himself, but then to bring it to the world. And so was born Drink HRW and the molecular hydrogen technology that many people like myself and many of my clients rely on on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, suffice to say that the potential of molecular hydrogen is just being tapped into. If you go to PubMed, there will be reams of clinical trials and studies going on. And molecular hydrogen can ultimately help with performance. It can help with health optimization. It can help with recovery. It, it, it really is an incredible molecule. And I think we're really just tapping into what it can really do for us. And we do know what it can do. And we talk about a lot of those things on this episode, but we don't just talk about molecular hydrogen. Um, Alex himself had a bit of a bad run-in with a pretty bad virus at the beginning of this year, which he talks about at length in this episode and um, how it leveled him in a way that really shocked him, what he believes the mitigating factors were to getting taken down by this thing and um, and his journey. And then we talk about um, some of the clinical trials that Drink HRW has contributed to and how they've been able to keep their professional space from the results while at the same time contributing to the research. So it's a big episode. It's chock-a-block full of stuff. I hope that you enjoy it. Um, I really always enjoy talking to Alex. He's um, he's a great guy. And as some of you may already know, you may have figured this out. Uh, Drink HRW was one of the first sponsors of this podcast. And to that, to them, I am super grateful for that. And as I said to them when they we signed them on as a podcast sponsor. Frankly, I've been yapping about molecular hydrogen for the last four years. I would still talk about molecular hydrogen, even if they weren't a podcast sponsor. And in my mind, in terms of what I do, being in integrity and taking on sponsors that I buy into wholeheartedly myself is a huge piece of 
knowing that I'm bringing you guys what I believe really is the best. And so if I'm going to put their name on my podcast, um, it's because I really truly believe in their stuff. So without further ado, um, I'm going to get into this disclaimer part of this intro, which is, as you all know, nothing that is in this podcast is about medical advice or treating or curing or anything, any kind of disease. This is all information for you guys. And if Alex is about one thing, it's about providing people with information. So if you want to read more about molecular hydrogens, you want to dig into the studies and the science, you can go to drinkhrw.com. He's got some great articles in there. He's got lists of clinical trials and studies. So lots and lots of research that has nothing to do with his company, just because he feels it's so important to share this research with people. If you're looking to buy molecular hydrogen and try it out for yourself, you can go to drinkhrw.com and you can use Longevity 10, get 10% off your entire order. And you can use that promo code over and over and over again, as many times as you want, because it's just that important to Alex to make this product available to everybody. What else can I tell you? If you're looking, you can also follow drinkhrw on Instagram. So you've got the website, you've got Instagram. Then if you're looking to connect with me, if you have any comments, questions, anything at all about this podcast, whether it's this episode or another episode, you can find me through my Facebook group, which is Optimizing Superhuman Performance. You can also find me through my website, which is natnidham.com. And of course, you can find me on Instagram just under my name, Natalie Nidham. Last but not least, if you would rather be watching this instead of just listening to me talk to you, then you can go to YouTube. I've got a YouTube channel there as well, Natalie Nidham, and you can watch many of the interviews that I've conducted over the last several months and moving forward. So thank you so much for being here. If you get value from this podcast, please make sure that you share it out with your friends, your family, your networks, and that you leave us a review because those reviews are the things that allow us to be seen and to be found and to help more people and get the message out there that you can live longer and better and more vibrantly and how to do it. So thank you so much for being here. I so appreciate you guys and enjoy the episode. Hey folks, before we launch into the episode, just one thing, we have a sponsor drinkhrw.com. This sponsor is all about the magic of molecular hydrogen, and they make the most incredible molecular hydrogen products. They make molecular hydrogen tablets that you can easily just drop into your water every morning as you start your day. They actually even have flavored ones in raspberry flavor, if that's your jam. I like mine uh, plain with a squeeze of lemon, but I also love the raspberry. They even have tablets that you can drop into your bathtub to soak to get a whole body treatment of molecular hydrogen and tablets you can drop into a bowl of water and apply to your face. And so you might be sitting there wondering, so big deal, why would I drink hydrogen? I mean, hydrogen is the smallest molecule on the periodic table. Who cares about hydrogen? Well, let me tell you, you care about hydrogen. A lot about what we talk about in this podcast is about health span and lifespan. It's about aging well. It's about longevity. It's about managing your body system so that you can look, feel, and perform your best. And molecular hydrogen delivers on these points like nothing else does. Think about this. Molecular hydrogen actually combats oxidative stress as well as supporting a healthy inflammatory response. Now we know that inflammation is at the root of virtually every major disease out there. We also know that it makes us basically age faster. So 
I would qualify molecular hydrogen as a preventative aging supplement. And it is one of the easiest, healthiest, best out there with zero negative side effects. It indirectly mitigates the damages of those three issues that ultimately lead the way in virtually any disease state and fundamentally are the driving forces in why we age. We're talking imbalances in oxidative stress, in inflammation, and as well as increased insulin resistance. So you don't really have to take my word for it, guys. You can go to the drinkhrw.com website, and I'm going to tell you that it is one of the most incredible repositories of research and articles all about molecular hydrogen. And you know what I love about this company is they don't just run around telling you how great molecular hydrogen is. They don't just cherry pick the best research articles. They're full on, flat out, pretty honest about this article, this clinical trial. Well, it didn't show us much yet. Here are the flaws in it, or here's what we think. It's an incredible resource, but I can tell you that Whatever it is that you're dealing with, there's probably a clinical trial going on somewhere looking at whether or not molecular hydrogen can be helpful. And I will tell you that in my practice, I've seen it be helpful to all kinds of people, people who are suffering from joint pain because molecular hydrogen is able to target inflammation, because it's able to support a healthy inflammatory response in the body, and it also promotes antioxidant and oxidative balance. You guys, you don't want to just be taking antioxidants by the handful. You want something on board that's going to help to keep you in balance to not too high, not too low, just keep you in that Goldilocks state. So like I said, I have clients who were blown away about how effective this molecular hydrogen, taking it every day, sometimes soaking an injured joint in molecular hydrogen water, what a difference it made in their mobility and in their ability to recover from their injuries and even also, of course, from workouts. So you're going to be hearing me talk a lot more about molecular hydrogen in the future. This is just the tip of the iceberg. I encourage you to go to drinkhrw.com forward slash superhuman, and you can use promo code longevity10, and that will get you 10% off everything that you purchase. And you can try molecular hydrogen for yourself. And by all means, reach out to me and let me know how you liked your molecular hydrogen experience. And by all means as well, please, please, please check out their website. It is one of the most incredible resources that I've seen for molecular hydrogen research. So thanks for being here today, guys. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the podcast, Alex. It's great to have you back. Great to be back. Thanks yeah. for having me. Well, it's a pleasure. Um, and always, and it's been it's been months and months since we recorded our first episode. Not quite yeah. a year. Yeah, I think what was that September last year? Yeah, I think it was September. So we're almost at the year mark, and a ton has happened since then. Both um well, no, COVID was in full swing yeah. <laughs> when we recorded last time. Um, but everyone thought I was pessimistic that I said we won't be out of the woods in a year from now. And yeah. everyone thought I was crazy when I was saying that last yeah. Yeah. September. I think, uh, yeah, I think that um, I don't even think we're fully out of the woods yet now either. So no. And even then, like uh, there, there's going to be little things, I think, for two to three years regarding international travel and everything and maybe even longer. Right. You know, like we, we see super low vaccination rates in a lot of countries. Right. And um, I get people's concerns about 
you know, the vaccines. I, I was going to wait a year, you know, and see, I wanted to wait for the Novavax vaccine actually. Yeah. Um, Is that the Canadian one? Yeah. They're going to manufacture it in, in Quebec. Yeah. Uh, but it, it was also, I think Novavax came back at like 93 or 94% effective. Um, and it was a later stage vaccine. So, you know, it was probably tested against more variants as well than Moderna mm-hmm. and Pfizer. But some of the experts that uh, um, I had listened to podcasts on and written reviews on suspected that Novavax's spike protein, you know, technology was going to have the least side effects, right? Oh, really? But um, my tune started changing actually with, with that when I got COVID for the first confirmed times, I, I believe it was the second time because I believe I had it at the start of the pandemic. I had it again uh, last November. Um, I was asymptomatic, right? Bored out of my mind, right? At home. Yeah, yeah. I got really, really stupid one day. It was day 11 of quarantine. I drank three bottles of wine and ordered pizza. You're kidding me. Why? <laughs> <laughs> let I me am, see let me see what i can do to really mess up my body while it's dealing with this thing <laughs> yeah i i honestly i don't know i i i thought it had run its course i think you know yeah, well, um, 11 days you're like okay i'm three days away from the end of quarantine it's not an unreasonable thing to think i'm through this I, thing and i am not the type that can be locked in a house for 14 days like i was out of my mind, even with my home gym and stuff, like I just yeah. was losing it, you know, couldn't go walk through nature or anything. And um, I had done a huge workout that day, right? Oh, on top of that. Okay. Yeah. On top mm-hmm. of that, like, and I didn't intend to have three bottles of wine. I just want to point that out. <laughs> I opened one and it led to It's not to like you lined them up in front of you and said, today's it, job is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and like, you know, I, I, took a bunch of hydrogen and I, I didn't feel too rough the next day, but I did another big workout to try and like kill the hangover completely mm-hmm. that night. Um, I think it resurrected in, in my body because I had like a low grade fever and my muscles were some of the worst muscle pain I've ever had in my yeah. life. Yeah. Um, throughout the night, I, I was just seized. I did not sleep that night. I was just annihilated. My fever was gone by the next day, but I was absolutely annihilated with muscle pain, right? Wow. Like, like, especially throughout my back and upper back. It only lasted like less than two days. Um, so that wasn't bad, but the really, really insane thing that happened was it devastated my blood sugar and my metabolism. Interesting. Um, Interesting. I went from my my fasting blood glucose before that was 4.1 to 4.3 millimolars, right? And it was rock solid. I would maybe spike to 4.5, 4.6 if I got drunk and ate pizza the day before, right? Like, okay. You know, (laughs) which is is still nothing. Exactly. I went over six for a while. Really? So, how long for a while? Like for weeks? Well, I'm still over five, right? You still haven't particularly, you haven't actually I have not fully really recovered. recovered. You know, I gained 30, 40 pounds. I, I want to say 40 because I lost muscle. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I gained 30 pounds on the scale, but I lost muscle 
and strength. So I want to say I gained 40 pounds of fat um, in less than two months. Really? And I was, I couldn't time restricted eat. I'd wake up in the morning dizzy, right? Like I think I was like entering like acute diabetes or pre-diabetes. I tried to fast a couple of times and would like have throbbing headaches and like would feel like I was going to pass out and faint. I had to like slowly start repairing that. And even now, um, you know, I, I've gotten back to my regular fasting, up to my exercise. Uh, you know, I did 220 hour fasts, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I'm still hovering around five, right? Really? You know, so you still long. have, so you're, so it's almost like we could say that it hit your pancreas. And somehow could it be that the three bottles of wine, it's almost like it set it up to, it, it almost created a, it could have, I mean, I'm, I'm a more, I'm, I'm kind of like stretching here, but it's almost like, could it be that having overstressed the liver and pancreas by the drinking and everything else almost gave whatever virus was in your system still a target? You know, there's this theory yeah. in Ayurvedic medicine that, that disease will seek out and, and affect kind of like your weak link. Yeah. And um, you wonder if there might be some of that at play here somehow. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. I just know uh, there's so many stories like this. I mean, even like people I know, like um, an MD PhD, you know, researcher that I know and was talking to, basically the exact same thing happened to him, you know, minus the alcohol, right? He had almost asymptomatic, super mild case. Ironically, he's an MD PhD who researches metabolic diseases, specifically (laughs) diabetes and NASH. And he, he gained like 40, 50 pounds and had like acute onset diabetes for a couple months after having a super mild case of COVID, you know, another friend of mine, uh, PhD candidate, um, research biohacker, super healthy guy had like heart issues after a super yeah. mild bout of COVID. You, you see lots of pro athletes, actually, they're yeah. asymptomatic. They didn't even know they had it. And then they can't train after. And now they haven't competed or played in months or a year because their bodies haven't recovered, whether it's their lungs or their heart. And they just fatigued and can't have energy. And, the more I kind of dealt with that and was reading about more and more super healthy, young, fit people that didn't have really any symptoms of the virus while it was in their system, Mm -hmm. but are dealing with potentially permanent side effects. And I, I just started thinking, okay, like now I'm leaning to get, you know, vaccinated, mm-hmm. right? Like, well, and especially then, thinking okay. that you got it twice, right? And now, with, yeah, with variants and, floating and around. And I, I can't, I can't confirm I got it the first time, but I had COVID-like symptoms in March, right when the pandemic started. Mm-hmm. You know, um, like serious fever, dry cough, right? Like in bed, basically for like four or five days. And it was four or five days after I got off a flight from California when the pandemic was 
just starting and, and you know, in meetings. So they weren't testing really anyone back yeah. then, sort of the yeah. pandemic. Um, but in retrospect, you know, it's a good chance I got that, especially because my wife didn't get sick. And with the seasonal flu, she gets it way worse than I do. Right. right? So right. the fact that she slept in the same bed as me as I had a fever, you but know. wouldn't she have gotten, but if it was COVID, given how contagious it is, wouldn't she have gotten it too then? Well, she could have been asymptomatic. That's kind of. Oh, I see. What I, I was kind yeah, of. Yeah. Oh, I see. That's that. where you're going with that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. She was younger than me at that time. She was still, you know, training for an Ironman. You know what I mean? And she could have just been asymptomatic, right? Who knows? So all the signs point to, I had it then. Cause if it was a flu, she we know that she's kind of like a baby with the flu, right? She gets knocked out by it. Right. Um, but yeah, nothing with her. And she didn't get sick the the second time, like when I, I had COVID in November, she didn't get sick that time either. Interesting. So that's really interesting, right? So, cause you've talked about all these different scenarios and then you talk about your wife who not only doesn't get it, but as an athlete, like, you know, she just seems to have skated through yeah. both, both and, times. And you'll, you'll see that right you'll you'll see that right like you'll see like with the ufc fights they'll get canceled and a whole team all the coaches and and a fighter all test positive for covid and none of them have any symptoms right and nine out of ten times or 49 out of 50 who knows what the odds are um they're all fine and have no long-term side effects but just the odd one and lots of high profile ones Mm-hmm. So you have like permanent, permanent issues, right? Even after like an asymptomatic case. Yeah. Or lasting issues anyway. Permanent's a long time. Yeah. We're, yeah. We don't we're know only months out, but, right? Yeah. So, but, but you, you got to think if you're in the prime of your career and have now not been able to train properly for a year. Yeah. Plus, no, that's, that's, I mean, it could be a career ending event yeah. for that. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so did you get vaccinated? So did, I mean, I don't like asking people, but seeing as you're yeah, I, I've got the- my first dose, I'm getting my second dose um, of Moderna on Thursday. So you've um, gone for MRNA. Yeah. Um, well, and I went for Moderna over Pfizer, right. And I was one of the fussy people. And if they try and give me Pfizer on Thursday, I'm going to say no, because yeah. a lot of countries are not accepting Canada's mix and match system right so because it makes no sense no it doesn't it's idiotic right and you know one of the the things that really pushed me into getting vaccinated right now is the travel yeah right like i need to get back to traveling for my business again so if canada tries to give me a different vaccine than the first one i got i'm gonna say no right absolutely not um you know and I know our health authorities are trying to guilt everyone and saying that this is the right thing to do. But you know what? Other health authorities are saying this is stupid, right? So what? Why should we trust our experts just because? They're trying to get it done. They're they're, they're literally trying to check a box. You know, I think they're literally just wanting to say we got X percent of the population done. And they're not, there's no... I mean, there's no science that says that this works. So why would you why would you create another giant experiment within another giant experiment? Like it just yeah. it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. So now I opted for Moderna because it doesn't make sense. I've talked to some experts. 
I don't know. Pfizer is reporting about 1.1% of people who get, you know, their vaccine have, you know, a serious adverse event with, with joint pain, right. And, and worsening joint pain. And, you know, as you, you may, and listeners may remember, the reason I got into hydrogen is a mystery virus gave me polyarthritis, right. right. <laughs> you know? so you've got a bad, you've so, got a long sorted history with viruses, don't you? Yeah. So, you know, the fact that one of Pfizer's most common side effects is serious and worsening joint pain doesn't sit well with me. It doesn't make sense to any of the experts I've talked to why Pfizer's reporting this and Moderna isn't because they're almost identical vaccines. But the fact is Pfizer's reporting this and Moderna isn't right. So I went with Moderna and I had, I had no side effects after the first dose anyways. Which is interesting because I know people who, um, who'd had COVID, who got Pfizer uh, probably maybe a month later and who literally for 24 to 48 hours felt like they had gone right back down the toilet again. See, my wife um, was seriously like fatigued, like, you know, flu-like symptoms, just slept on the couch all day after her first dose. The second dose, she was slightly fatigued but Mm -hmm. not nearly as bad as the first dose whereas usually they're reporting it's the opposite right people feel worse after the second dose than the first um i felt nothing right after the first dose i didn't even have like general soreness around the injection site so yeah so anyway my fingers Uh, yeah anyway this has turned into a different kind of podcast (laughs) yeah no sorry sure (laughs) that's all right not to worry i mean that's that's part of the beauty of podcasting so let me ask you this segue into the the covid stuff with hydrogen (laughs) but no but let me ask you this so in your battles with covid and the whole thing did you find i mean let me anecdotally from your own personal experience did you find molecular hydrogen to be helpful at all for you? Or was it so bad that it literally it, it, was beyond the reach? It, it's, it's tough to say, right? Yeah. Um, you know, You'd have as, to go back and do it again I, without hydrogen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Like as a case experiment, I'm like, did hydrogen help me be asymptomatic? Right. You know, before, and then just couldn't deal with the stress of me downing three bottles of red and, you know, Next and two big workouts and the pizza. And the other thing I think that is not irrelevant here is two massive workouts on either, yeah. on either side well, of this. And there was nothing I could do. You know what I mean? I was bored out of my wits at, at home. Yeah, like, no, usually I, I go walk through the forest one, two hours a day, writing emails, answering phone calls just to keep moving. I pace in my house throughout the day. I so get why did you do that? Because if, if you have access to forest and there's nobody else there, would you, you didn't feel comfortable just going out for a walk? Oh, the forests are busy. All the trails are busy. Especially oh, so it's trails. Okay. So it's not yeah. like private forest. Forest. No, no. Okay. Well, I've got an acreage now, but I haven't moved there yet. Right. Oh, okay. So, so you're not there yet. I yeah, see. If, yeah. If I, if I, uh, you know, had to quarantine again, you know, I'm 150 hours into, into hardscaping and landscaping and I probably have 300 hours to go. Right. You know, hmm. right. I'd have so much to do, you know, yeah. I spent four and a half hours there yesterday, just shoveling river rock and, you know, um, tamping the ground. Cause I'm getting close to putting a lawn down, but I'm building a pond with a, a waterfall coming off the cliff and a stream. So, I mean, I've got six months of work to do on that property. So if I was quarantined again, now it would be no problem. 
I'd have pitch a tent, (laughs) but no, back then, like I was still, you know, in the city, you know, crammed in my place. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, I got quarantined last year with this year, actually, after traveling, um, to the States and I just about lost my marbles and I mean, I'd had no exposure and I was just stuck in my house and, you know, I mean, I have a reasonably nice house and I have access to a home gym and the whole nine yards, but there's something about not being able to leave your house that is, and I have a backyard, but it's yeah. just not, um, not conducive. Okay. Let's move on to our topic of the day. Um, and that is, and to your point, let's segue because there are a couple, I mean, you, they're not fully published. They're not published yet, but you have taken part in a couple of trials using molecular hydrogen to see how it can be maybe helpful with COVID-19. So maybe you give us a sneak peek at that in what you can say before publishing. Sure. I mean, so first it's, it started, uh, there was like an open label study in, in hospitalized patients. Um, I don't think that's going to be published, right? Because there's no controls or anything. And everything okay. that I found was kind of subjective, right? Um, you know, they, they it, it was like reducing uh, of symptom severity, like improved energy and, you know, reduction in complaints from the patients, all that kind of fun stuff that caused them to do kind of like a a small phase two style trial, like 24 participant, double blind, placebo controlled, randomized. Mm -hmm. Um, Data was all over the map as you'd expect, because they were recruiting all ages, you know, all conditions, everything like that, only 24 people. Uh, But a couple things did come through as significant, even with how, erratic the data is like not just like all the age groups but COVID hits us hits people so much different some people really? attack the heart some people attacks the lungs you know what I mean like it, it expresses so different in different people so a lot of the markers were just all over the map and it's like oh there could be something there or there could be something there but the standard deviations were so mm-hmm. big right mm-hmm. that you know, with that right. few people, there's just nothing there. I was going to say 24 people. You're going to be like, as you say, there's no, there's no homogenous. Exactly. If, within that. If COVID-19 expressed itself the same to like everyone, then maybe, 24 maybe. people could be enough. Right. Yeah. But with, with how erratic the disease is, um, they were just kind of like fishing and seeing like, is anything kind of universal? And, and what was universal is um, reduction in fatigue. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, across the board that that was very significant. Um, and then a reduction in interleukin six, a pro-inflammatory cytokine. So that's that's, you know, uh, something to be hopeful for, because there is a, a, a large phase three trial underway, you know, for using. Yeah. That. Can I ask you a question in that one? So were they administering um, like using the tablets in water? And how, how much and how often, or was that all over the map too? Uh, it was four, ta- four tablets a day. And w- in, like in two shots or like spread out over two different. No, no, no. I, I think I, uh, or do you think it was one tablet have, in water four times a day or you don't know? Yeah, I, I think it was, I think it might've been one tablet and two fifty milliliters four times a day at different times, but I haven't read the manuscript recently. It's okay. under peer review. So okay. I, I'm not confident. I, I know it was four tablets a day. I forget what volume of water at what intervals they were doing it. Um, okay. So you know what? I'm going to interject here. 
and just say that will a lot of the, a lot of what we're going to talk about today is still in the it's either being peer reviewed or it's not quite published yet. So this podcast probably won't come out for another six to eight weeks. So I will update in the you guys will have heard in the intro any updates and we'll try and post links to whatever um, tri uh, trials we can in the show notes. Sorry, go ahead. Um yeah, no worries. Um, yeah, in, in the phase three, it's uh, um, two tablets a day, right? Um, I so that's the one that's in, happening now, right? The phase three? Yeah, yeah. Um, I know they're recruiting slower than they wanted to. Great for public health. There's less cases of COVID. Right? <laughs> All right. The trial. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, there's, but, pockets yeah, I mean, in, there's pockets in the States, apparently, where it's it's alive and well. So maybe we could uh, well, well, the, focus this, on Arkansas. This is, throughout, this is throughout Europe, primarily France, right, oh, is, is where the phase okay. three is underway. So, you know, yeah, they, they're, they're recruiting less and less. But um, that one, it's going to be interesting because they're, they're looking at some things like, you know, fatigue and sleep quality and everything like that. But the, the primary outcomes are hospitalizations and deaths, obviously. But then they're going to be following up with the patients for one year after the trial. Oh, interesting. Right? To, to look at prevalence of like post-acute COVID, like long COVID. Right? Okay. So, so let me go back to you just very briefly. So were you, how much did you, I mean, were you using molecular hydrogen in your, have you been? yourself yeah yeah i i mean i have and you know i know it, it works on my joints because every time i wash out and i've washed out i think twice you know and i write about this in a blog called ideal dose um hydrogen we want to be kind of like i'm thinking of hydrogen more like exercise you don't want to do the same dose at the same time of day forever you're going to start losing the benefits right Interesting. um same thing with cold exposure, heat exposure, right? All these, 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 you know, hormetic stressors that we've adapted to, right? Yeah. So once it becomes chronic, it's like the body just kind of doesn't yeah. respond to it in the it, same it, way. It, exactly, right? And it's we know that continuous exposure to hydrogen has no effect, right? Whereas, you know, acute intermittent pulsing does, right? Mm -hmm. um, we know that new exercises shock our body a lot more than things we've become accustomed to. Right. Yeah. That's why I say you'll, you'll see like runners, right. That, that put in more and more road work, right. Because running is easier and easier for them. And they start losing muscle mass and gaining some fatter on the midsection, even though they're running hours a day. Yeah. And right? wearing out their joints, by the way, on top it, of that. Exactly. Right. Yeah. But uh, you, you see that at any sport right? The more you get accustomed to at any physical activity, the less work it becomes, the less stress to your body. Mm -hmm. um, we see this kind of stuff with like, you know, other hormetic stressors. I mean, they've been done some really cool studies in pigs. And I know I talk about this all the time, but you, you get a pig cold for four hours a day, right? And let it be warm the other, you know, 20 hours a day that pig has uh, lowered inflammation, improved redox, right? Um, more white adipose tissue is converted to, it's not quite brown, it's called beige adipose tissue, yeah. right? You know, yeah. thermogenesis is activated. All, all these beneficial results happen. Now you get pigs cold all day long and the reverse happens. They're, you know, inflammation goes up, 
you know, their oxidative stress goes up. Um, they, they don't convert white adipose tissue to beige. They actually produce more white adipose tissue and they gain weight. <laughs> yeah. Well, because it's gone from being a hermetic stressor to being just a chronic miserable a chronic stressor. Yeah. Stress. So that's what I try and tell everyone is intermittently pulse your hydrogen and yeah. every three to six months wash out, don't take it for a week and then change your routine. If you were taking it in the morning, yeah. start taking it in the afternoon or okay. before a workout or something like that. Um, so I know that hydrogen still benefiting me because I've washed out, I think twice since then. And my joint sees, you know, when I wash out, <laughs> okay. um, that's a sign. I, I'm curious, you know, if the damage I did with that alcohol and everything was just too much for hydrogen to reverse, or, you know, who knows, it might've been even worse. Yeah, you know, without hydrogen. Yeah, there's no way. That, yeah, there's you, no real way of knowing for sure. You can't well, know with the case study. I mean, I even tried to correct things um, with, with one peptide that I thought might help, and I took it for 70 days and monitored my eating and my active calories and everything, and I lost the exact amount of weight that would be expected, you know, by my increase in active calories and do you mean I, without the peptide which peptide was it uh cjc 1295 with dac yeah um yeah there, there was no improvements in my blood sugar um there was no improvements in my blood pressure and i, I had no additional weight loss yeah, I wouldn't. CJC epimorelin is a, is a funny one because it's basically a growth hormone secretagogue. Yeah, it's I consider fat loss a very, it's kind of like a sidebar benefit. CJC epimorelin. I I'd say that, you know, we could probably talk about this a little bit more another time. But there's other, there's a couple of other peptides I would I would go to for you that are more direct that may be more impactful, like especially in the in the world of bioregulators, where you're looking at peptides that can act to, like directly help to regenerate and restore function to the pancreas and the liver, um, stuff like that. You, especially given your experience, it would be a very interesting thing to see what a few months of few months of those with a couple of others stacked on. Yeah. What that might, what you might see, because. I, I was thinking, you know, in trying uh, CJC twelve ninety five with with DAC, that uh, you know, with, with the you know growth hormone secretion and the IGF one, that that should be promoting more lean body mass and mm -hmm. you know, in, in turn more fat burning, which I didn't see at yeah. all. Right, yeah. and doing you know body scans too, there was no change above expectation. Yeah. Um, Actually, since I've stopped and I even upped my exercise more because since I've stopped those peptides, I'm not just doing the yard work, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, pad work, but we're allowed to spar, you mm -hmm. know, again, like, you know, fight with other people, like yeah. kickboxing. Yeah. So just in like a month of being back to sparring, you know, which is way higher intensity than hitting a bag or hitting pads, you know, oh, yeah. lifts everything. Um, I've seen more body composition changes in this month than in the two plus months that I was using. You know, the, the Yeah. But you were doing the with DAC. Yeah. Yeah. So you're doing once a week. Yeah. And the epimorelin, were you doing that once a week or were you doing that? No, daily? no. I, I was just doing the CJC 
1295 with DAC. Oh, I see. No, if I'm wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I might, I might, I might prescribe to a different uh, methodology, but we are not here to talk about peptides. Let's oh, yeah. talk about hydrogen. Uh, <laughs> Um, okay, so phase three clinical trial with COVID is currently underway. We can't talk about it in detail. Well, yeah, I don't have any data yet. I mean, no I data talk yet. About, like, the rationale is the rationale that it, it could help is hydrogen, you know, seems to regulate inflammatory responses. It seems to regulate, you know, redox status, all these things. You know, there seems to be some immune function regulation. So kind of the, the, the hope in the trial was that hydrogen would, would promote a more optimal immune response, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. wouldn't wouldn't activate or suppress the immune system, would just promote a healthier immune yeah. response. And yeah. that, that was the argument that the researchers used to the government in France and, and you know the the you know IRB, which both accepted that that hydrogen could, you know, like support the immune system. So it's actually not considered a drug trial. Right. right. It's considered a non-drug intervention, you know, yeah. by the, the French government. So that was actually a big hurdle. And that was good. That meant, uh, you know, the ethics board and the government ended up agreeing that hydrogen isn't a drug that, mm-hmm. you know, it could promote the body's ability that it should be explored to promote the body's ability to do what it's supposed to do. Yep. Fantastic. That's actually a big win for sure. Um, and so, okay, so that was, so that phase three, that was, you th- you're thinking it was one tablet twice a day. Um, yeah. Do we want to go, I mean, once we're talking about the still to comes, there were, there's a couple of others, and then we can go to the newly published ones that we were going to talk about today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so there was the elderly study that sounds actually really exciting. Yeah, um, so this, this was a, a cool study. It was um, six months long. Right. Um, 34 participants, all above 70 years old, double blind, placebo controlled, randomized. Um, One thing to note here is this was done during lockdowns. Right. So these elderly people were locked down, weren't living their normal lives, too. But uh, in the hydrogen group, um, they significantly extended their telomeres. Right. Whereas the placebo group. Um, significantly lost telomere length, right? So I think the hydrogen group were were elongated by 4%, whereas the placebo group lost like 12%, right? So that's 16% spread. Yeah, no, that that is huge because usually you would not lose anywhere close to that amount in a year, but we know that, you know, telomere length might plummet and then actually go up and it kind of goes like, this so this is a very abnormal period of stress that these mm-hmm. people were under so they saw huge drops in the placebo group but not only was that protected but in the hydrogen group they were lengthened yeah. right um you know i'm not an expert here i i can't you know talk to to you know this in finer detail but it showed improvement in dna methylation is what the author said um mm-hmm. and it was significant um one thing that was cool that I asked for them to, to check it, uh, it doubled uh, a marker in the blood protein, in the blood called TET2, which yeah. is what they've been linking to young blood. If people have read any of the studies about, about, you know, when you take a elderly mouse and 
you put the, the blood of a young mouse into it and they're rejuvenated. Yeah. Um, that's been linked to tattoo, right? So hydrogen double tattoo. Um, hydrogen uh, significantly improved brain metabolism above mm-hmm. placebo, um, which we'll talk about more you know, later, a study that just published today on brain metabolism, hydrogen, um, you know, so that was pretty cool, especially in this elderly population in, in you know, improving brain metabolism. And so um, did they also observe any kind of differences in cognitive functions that may or may not um, be linked to brain metabolism, like memory score? Yeah, no, not, nothing significant. Okay. There, right. But again, it's a six month trial. Yeah. Right. So it, it's hard to tell, right? You know, if it's improving brain metabolism at the end of the six months, are they improving their cognition significantly or is that more protective? Right. right. Are they going to be protecting decline? And mm-hmm. are you going to see a big decline in, in cognitive function over six months? Right. Usually, probably not. Right. Well, although, compare, they did have a control group to compare against. So, yeah, no, no, that, that's what I mean, even for a control group. You right. know, you, you think of people, you know, in their 70s, right? Are you going to see, unless someone develops a disease and nobody right. develops a disease, like, you know, yeah. Alzheimer's or anything, unless someone develops a disease during that time, you're typically not going to see a plummet in, no. in cognition over a six-month period. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So there, there, there wasn't much change, right, anywhere. So mm-hmm. there, there's nothing to do that that would be a more longitudinal study you'd have right. to look after like 10 years absolutely right? but you did um, say also they had big improvements in pain scores which yeah is- so that reached significance um in, in reported pain scores um there there were strong trends for you know some sleep parameters some um, mm-hmm. specifically uh, daytime fatigue and ability to get to sleep uh we're actually you know there, there's some stuff that we're seeing in, in mice um, that, that hopefully will be published soon. I know some papers were just submitted that, uh, hydrogen has some big effect on, on, on sleep of mice, but not really when the mice aren't under stress. Right. So, right. Like what we're seeing big improvements, like, you know, and, and they stress out the mice in all these ways, like wake them up, do all these things. And, and the mice that uh, have had hydrogen after being stressed out fall back asleep easier. They fall into better quality sleep easier. All these things like hydrogen kind of restores them to get back on track with their sleep. But if no disturbances happen, mm-hmm. there's, there's no difference, right? Like right. hydrogen hasn't, isn't helping their sleep unless right. there's an external a problem in the first place. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting you say that because there's um there was a peptide I wrote about recently called DSIP, deep sleep inducing peptide. And, you know, it, it's supposed to in, help to induce deep sleep. But what the trials show and, and explains a lot, because, you you know, you, you talk about a peptide like that in a big group like mine, and everybody runs out to buy it and says, okay, I want to see my sleep scores double, my deep sleep scores double. And what the, what the, what the research shows is that unless you've got messed up sleep in the first place, it's not going to do anything for you. <laughs> so the elderly study. And so when, when will that be published? Do you know, do you have any thoughts oh, you, on that? You, you never know what. No. So like, I mean, this year, next year, Ho- hopefully this year. Yeah. Hopefully okay. this year. So it's already been submitted to the journal. 
right? Okay, so it's um, it's in it's in the works. Journals, some journals can. I, I don't remember what journal it was published. Some journals might take a month to mm-hmm. peer review something, and then it's published two weeks after, so it could be six weeks. Other journals are like a year, year and a half behind, right? So it really depends what journal the the study authors decided to put it in. Right, 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 right. You know, I, I'd have to check at what the lead times are. You know, do they need changes? Does it get accepted? All these things, right? Like, um, it's a process. It's what I'm ri- writing in my book, it's insane, right? It's insane um, what happens in academia that, that authors scramble to find journals, right? And journals are specialized and they're like, okay, this journal looks like a good fit. But can you read? the entire scope of a journal, like, and everything and read all the other papers. Cause what, what I'm finding and, you know, in, in my few publications is you can get a paper rejected and they'll say, this is rejected, not based on any scientific criticism, but we think that there's more fitting journals for this. Right. And then, and then you've you wasted know, all this time. Then you've wasted six weeks, two months until they get back to you on this. And then you have to find another journal and reformat the whole thing. Cause it might be a different word count, you know, you know, it might be different like requirement for formatting and references and everything. So you have to basically rewrite the paper, right? Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Put in another one. So it, it is an arduous experience. And I, I have a lot of ideas on how it could be fixed, but mm-hmm. that, that's, that's again, a whole, whole other, so you're topic, writing a book. Right? Yeah. Um, that's, that's one of the books I'm writing is on that, but, um, we're writing more than one book, three, <laughs> three books all at yeah. once. Yeah. But they're slow. I mean, when I write blogs, I might be working on 10 at a time. I'm not working on that many right now. Cause I've been busy with some other things. Um, three I books. Like, <laughs> yeah. I like thinking about things long and deep. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I might sit and jot down notes for two, three months, right? Gathering my thoughts before like I sit and look at all the notes and be like, okay, I can write six, 8,000 words out of this. And then I write it as a stream, but I've been thinking about it for months and writing down notes. So Interesting. I, I'm not sitting down every day and working on the book. I think about all three of my books pretty much every day. Right. Anytime I see something in, in my normal reading that comes up that really strikes to me, you know, I go in deeper, I write notes, I pull up, you know, my, my, you know, X book document and I write notes and thoughts and musings to see if it ties in. But no, I'm not sitting like at a laptop. Okay. It's time to write every yeah, day. Pound out five, 5,000 words or whatever today. Yeah. Yeah, that's not how I, I flow. That's not how you roll. Okay. All right. Let's get back to hydrogen. Uh, do you want to talk? Do you want to tell us what three books are about? Or do you want to kind of sit on that for a while? Yeah, no, no, it's fine. I mean, uh, one, one, is, uh, one is on kind of the deterioration of truth in mm. society with ways to fix it. That's, uh, that's an interesting my, time, yeah. <laughs> you know, my, my unique thoughts in, in having a deep history with marketing, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and knowing how it works at all different levels and you know um but also the fact that uh, i think i'm gonna have like 10 or 11 publications by the end of this year with the ones that are under manuscript prep and in press and peer review maybe even more than that um 
what I'm getting to learn about academia and how information is published and goes through and everything, how everything has to be adopted to, to fit societal norms and everything, just mm-hmm. kind of like a breakdown and critique of that. And then strategies to, to improve in everything and that. So the one book is basically on truth. Um, another book is basically my political manifesto. Okay. I've been working on that one for 15, 16 years. Okay. Right. Um, so don't expect that one anytime soon because nope. as society advances, my, my views keep on adjusting, you know, in mm-hmm. this live experiment we're running. And then um, <laughs> just, uh, you know, hormesis in general, right. And how to use hormesis. hormesis. You know, yeah. Yeah for our lives. I mean, I, I already wrote like 30,000 words in a series on hormesis, but yeah, that was yeah. more like a blog series. And I have a lot more thoughts on it now than I, I did two and a half years ago when I wrote it. Yep. All right, cool. All right. Three books. Let's get back to the hydrogen. So there were two other, um, cause then I want to get to the published studies. So there's three studies yeah. that have been published and you've authored or you've been an author or, or both on, but there's the, there's two mouse studies that you mentioned to me just before we started. Yeah. So, so these are the ones that I, I, yeah, I'm actually an author on. It's really cool. And this is an area of hydrogen research that I think I'm most excited about in using hydrogen as an adjuvant therapy alongside conventional yeah. Treatments. So the first one, it published already, and both these are mouse studies. And this one was hydrogen versus sulfasalazine, which yeah. is a prescription medication um, that's approved for like rheumatoid arthritis and ulcerative colitis and, you know, various, you know, I- inflammatory issues, um, like autoimmune inflammatory type things, um, or the combination of the two, right? And mm-hmm. I found that hydrogen was about as effective, right? Actually trended better than, than sulfasalazine, right? For this uh, DSS-induced colitis model. So it wasn't traditional ulcerative colitis. It was like a chemical, you know. So it was induced breath. by chemical, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. To, to, to give the mice colitis. But the combination of hydrogen and sulfasalazine were significant beyond either hydrogen or sul- sulfasalazine on their own. The one plus one is three. Yeah. Right. So that, that, that was really, really interesting. Cause then we found, you know, and, and another team using the tablets on, you know, post stroke in, in rats found the same thing using hydrogen water made by the tablets with uh, a drug called minocycline. Right. They so give post stroke. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So they found synergy there. Right. So how do, let me ask you a question, a practical question. How do they get the mice to drink the hydrogen water before the hydrogen disappears out of the hydrogen water? Do they so rather, rather than animals? do it? No, no, no. Rather than do it in an open cup. Yeah. Right. You prepare it under pressure and then it follows a half-life and then you extrapolate the dosage. Oh, okay. Half-life of the water and their, their, you know, drinking schedules, but also um, it, we, we, in a lot of the studies we use oral gavage, right? Yeah. So it's kind of I- injected into their abdomen. Okay. All right. Um, Little bunnies. All right. Fair enough. But uh, we saw it, you know, on another study that's actually in press. So it's already made it through peer review and been accepted. Um, I'm a study author. I'm second author on this one, actually. So um, the first author 
it is the the postgrad who conducted all the experiments. Yeah. But I wrote the first draft and the majority of the manuscript. Nice. Right? The, the, the university wrote the methods, right, and the results. And then I wrote kind of the abstract introduction, discussion, Amazing. conclusion. But then we all worked on my first draft and, and you know, all agreed on the final manuscript. Mm-hmm. But um, this was on uh, um, colorectal cancer in yeah. mice. And uh, we used hydrogen versus uh, fluorocell, which is it's 5-FU. It's a very common, you know, chemotherapeutic, right? Yeah. And actually, we, we saw something similar. It is hydrogen was about as effective as 5-FU, right, as standalones. However, right, the combination was, again, synergistic. So, like, one plus one equals three. But huh. there were some really interesting things that were observed, Right. Um, for instance, hydrogen, hydrogen and five F. One thing that was you'd think is good about hydrogen versus five FU is hydrogen versus five FU in all kind of like the the cancer progression you know markers that we looked at. Whether it's you know fibrosis, collagen content, tumor size, tumor weight, all these things, they were about the same. But hydrogen improved redox, like you know, improved antioxidant activity and suppressed oxidative stress. Whereas 5-FU, as you know, or as we know, it increased oxidative stress and, you know, blunted antioxidant activity. So we're like, okay, is that good? Well, the results are about the same, but we know that we want to stress out, right? The cancer, right? Mm -hmm. That's actually part of how cancer therapies work, right? It is by increasing the stress, you know, the cancer and killing them in the combination of hydrogen plus five FU, right? Everything was synergistic, you know, tumor weight, you know, fibrosis, collagen content. It was all decimated. You know what I mean? Like way better than either on their own, but it was actually significant beyond just five FU in that the combo of hydrogen plus five FU further increased oxidative stress beyond 5-FU alone and further blunted antioxidant. So that could have been why we saw such a market anti-tumor effect, right, in the hmm. combination because, you know, and, and this is why I always try and clarify that hydrogen is not an antioxidant. No, it it's selective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it regulates the redox status within the cell. So for whatever reason in this trial, you know, and we've seen it in other trials, we've seen hydrogen raise oxidative stress before rebounding and, and you know, I- improving redox. Uh, maybe we would have seen this in a longer study. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah, in, in this one, it, it markedly increased oxidative stress and lowered antioxidant activity, but the anti-cancer effects were synergistic beyond either hydrogen or, or 5-FU on itself. Is it, is it possible that it was also a case of a spread in the sense that it supports healthy cell? Like the, 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 the drug on its own is not going to do anything for the healthy cells. It's going to go, it, it's going to do whatever it does across the board with, to, health, to healthy cells or cancer cells. Yeah. But the hydrogen, is it possible that the actions of hydrogen were supportive to healthy cells and somehow optimize, it, it, like maybe it enhanced. 
it's possible. And one of the things that we wrote about, you know, and, and that's been talked about a lot behind closed doors, so to speak, with professors um, and hydrogen experts is we know hydrogen can improve the health of healthy cells. What does mm-hmm. it do to cancer cells? Yeah. Like, does it improve their health or does it? Yeah, exactly. Right. So that, that's one of the things. And is it going to be dose dependent, dependent, right? It is one dose of hydrogen going to actually cause cancer to become worse, whereas another dose fights against it, you know? And, and these are things that we really need to research more. Right. 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 But at the time being, it, it appears in the few rodent studies that have been done that using hydrogen in conjunction, yeah, through therapeutic, yeah, like the good place to study, yeah, right, like the good direction to go. Yeah, well, the signs are good anyway. If if nothing else, like you know, it's an interesting thing. Like, no, hydrogen's not a panacea. It's not going to you know do it all. But it's interesting that you again, like, there's a couple of instances here where combined with, yeah, a conventional treatment, it seems to enhance the outcome yep. it's just better on its own and as a matter of fact even on the the, the caffeine one we're going to talk about it's a similar situation right yeah yeah so that actually just published this morning right so i know so we were both sitting there reading it <laughs> like yeah. how, I, how deeply can we talk about this in 10 minutes <laughs> yeah exactly and I, I haven't actually read the manuscript since like February or March. So, you okay. know, it popped online right before we came online. <laughs> <laughs> you could have said nothing. But, yeah, but, no, no, but uh, um, no, it, it was a cool study. It showed that uh, uh, hydrogen more significantly improved brain metabolism as opposed to caffeine after sleep deprivation. Um, so did uh, the combination, right, of hydrogen and caffeine versus caffeine on its own. Um, a couple of takeaways, I think in the hydrogen group, there was less errors on like a, a symbol test yeah. right after deprivation. Um, and, and I believe, cause I mean, caffeine obviously improved brain metabolism in a lot of regions. So did hydrogen, but in the paracentral region of the brain, I believe is where hydrogen or the combo of hydrogen and caffeine, um, improved the brain metabolism, whereas caffeine did not. Hmm. Right. Interesting. Uh, I quickly looked, I mean, I'm not an expert on, you know, brain regions and I'm not a neuroscientist, but it appears that that's linked with like motor function. Yeah. You know, someone else would speak to that way better than me. Well, or we can both dig into it and talk about it later Uh, (laughs) because it's, it's searchable information, but so, so basically though, the molecular hydrogen, seem to help with alertness. So, so, cause I don't drink any caffeine in the morning personally. Um, I just, caffeine makes my teeth chatter, but, um, but I, I start my day with molecular hydrogen in, in a cocktail. I'm doing that thing. You're not supposed to do. I haven't taken a break from hydrogen in a while. So maybe it's time for me to do a week washout. Um, yeah. Wash out. I mean, honestly, and even from my standpoint as, you know, being commercially involved, telling people to wash out actually improves their sales, right? Because sure, they notice what it does for them. Exactly. You yeah. know, the they take off. We actually find it's been interesting reviewing, you know, data, you know, both from Drink HRW and being told from, you know, other companies too, is they'll see a gap, right? People take hydrogen for one, two months, and then they stop taking it. Mm-hmm. You know, and they might stop taking it for a month and then they order again 
Yeah. And they email in, like, I didn't realize this was helping until I stopped. Yeah. No, absolutely. I've seen it with my clients, right? And the improvements are slower and gradual, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and then when they stop, things deteriorate more abruptly than they were corrected, you know, in the first place. I think they notice it more. Right. Once you, when you, you, you stop all of a sudden you, you're like reintroduced to what, whether it's your joint pain or fatigue or whatever the case it is. And you're like, Oh my God, I'm, you know, dragging myself around. I've seen it with, I've had a couple of clients, a few clients now with arthritis um, who really, really feel that the hydrogen helps with their pain. And um, when they stop using it and then they go back to it, they're like, Oh, wow. You were right. The other thing, and I don't know if you can speak to this at all today, but the other thing that I've had them do, and, and they definitely seem to feel that it helps is soaking. If it's a foot or an ankle, like soaking it in with the molecular hydrogen um, tablets, the bath uh, tablets that you've got. Yeah. Relief. yeah I mean, uh, I'm going to do one today, right? Like I said, I, I've been doing all this hardscaping, landscaping. I, I'm sparring tonight. I, I'm gonna go because I've already signed in and it's a limited, you know, <laughs> limited space. But yeah. uh, I really don't want to because my body is not feeling very good. You know, like I try and use as good a form as I can. But when you're shoveling, like, oh yeah, walk for hours and no, it's... you know pushing wheelbarrows and stuff, that is not fun work. I feel pretty broken right now. Um, we do have a couple studies on the bath tablets, a couple clinical trials. One was on um, the bath tablets versus rice protocol, right? Which is rest yeah, ice. Rest ice. Yeah. After grade two ankle tears and pro soccer players. Yeah. And it found they were equivalent, but hydrogen was actually trending to be better than rice protocol in multiple areas. It just wasn't a big enough study group to hit statistical significance. But hydrogen w- was probably practically better, clinically better, if that trend held up. You know what I mean? If they recruit right. people and the same thing is seen, then it would have been clinically significant, right? And hydrogen mm-hmm. being rice. Um, another was, was a, a double-blind placebo-controlled, you know, randomized crossover study on delayed onset muscle soreness. Yeah. Hydrogen significantly re- reduced DOMS, right? Delayed onset muscle soreness, um, both by, you know, the test, like the reported <coughs> muscle soreness scale, Um but also they measured some markers and it protected creatine kinase levels, right? Which mm. is, you know, linked to muscle damage. Right. right? So definitely it's, I can say with our pro athletes, the bath tablets are maybe as, if not, I'd say more popular than the drinking the water. I'd say with our pro athletes, boost and h2 relief are the two most popular things it's what they ask for yeah boost is the so boost is the formula why don't you tell us tell the audience a bit about boost yeah boost it's you drop two hydrogen tablets in so you are getting the hydrogen but it also has 1.5 grams of nitrosagene which is a patented ingredient to improve nitric oxide to raise nitric oxide so 1.5 grams of nitrosagene has shown to outperform eight grams of citrulline malate. Yeah. Right. In a, you know, number of ways. So, and then there's 200 milligrams of caffeine, which, you know, (laughs) 
So that's an, a healthy dose. I mean, we, oh no, we, it's a good dose for anybody else. I like for me, yeah. I was like, I was like vibrating. <laughs> well, think about how much coffee some people drink. Yeah, right? oh, for sure. It's, this is a drop in the bucket. Exactly right, and that's what we tried to do because uh, basically the 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 metadata on caffeine shows that for most people, up to about four hundred milligrams a day is actually healthy. It improves your health and, you know, improves cognition. It actually may protect against like, you know, declining cognition in the elderly. It's when you go above that, Mm -hmm. that that becomes an issue. And when people are like drinking, like, you know, six Starbucks a day, you know, 10 coffees a day, six like monsters or like something a day, you know, even some of these pre-workouts, some pre-workouts have like, you know, 500 milligrams of caffeine, even a gram of caffeine in one scoop. Right? Yeah. This is the thing that's, these are the things that are, are causing serious health issues, even in the youth. Yeah, you know what I mean? for sure. Like heavy, heavy, you know, over stimulant use, right? From energy drinks and pre-workouts and stuff is being linked to like increased anxiety and depression and, you know, sleep disturbances and all, all of these issues right and, and not even that like you know heart heart issues and For you know sure. what I mean? like serious serious issues from this overstimulation so we sat down and we settled on 200 milligrams of caffeine because 200 milligrams of caffeine is going to be a performance enhancer even for someone who's caffeine habituated they're not going to go, you know, like yeah, yeah. Off the wires, but it's going to still have an effect on them. Yeah. Right. But it's a healthy dose. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Cause them to get, you know, all messed up. And of course, you know, we've talked about like all, all you know, hydrogen and brain metabolism, right. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, hydrogen and caffeine, actually, the reason we did the, the, you know, study with MRI is because the first study on hydrogen versus caffeine, they equivalently raised alertness, right? Mm-hmm. But in different domains. I was going right? to say probably in different ways, right? Yeah, they they improved on different tests, right? In the attention. So it's like you know, hydrogen was better for like orienting, but you know, um, caffeine was better for alertness. Uh, you know what I mean? So it, it was that's kind of why we we did that test, but then you know, nitrosogenes has also shown to raise, you know, attention after sleep deprivation. And then if you look, it's a healthy dose of caffeine, but then with the nitric oxide and the hydrogen, mm-hmm. they're going to be improving your health too. So yeah. we try to design something that not only is going to work for you to get up and go and feel great, you know, and not make you high so that you can't do anything. We designed this not just for athletes, but people working in an office that need to go to a meeting that need to get through a project that need to write so that you're not, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, you don't drink coffee. So 200 milligrams is a high hit, right? Yeah, you. you know what I'm wondering though? Cause I usually, I used it fasted and I wonder if what I need to do is get something into my stomach just to blunt the hit. Yeah. And because- trying to use it when you're super tired too. Yeah, no, because the nitric oxide actually will offset some of the negatives of caffeine for me, right? If caffeine yeah. is going to cause vasoconstriction in me, then yeah. the nitric oxide should offset that rather well. I mean, I had a great workout. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> it's just, it's, I think it's just the, the unfamiliarity of the caffeine 
um, boost to me. That was, but I, but you know, now I, I, now that I think of it, I, I wonder if I should try it again and just have something in my stomach, you know, yeah, I, a little bit beforehand. I take exactly 400 milligrams of caffeine every day. Right. And Precisely. I used to take, yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I don't drink coffee. So I used to take two, you know, hundred milligram each caffeine pills yeah. in the morning and two at lunch. Right. Now I take two in the morning and then days that I want to boost, I do a boost, you know, probably four or five days a week when I'm going to exercise right before. Uh, so the caffeine just basically staves off my habituation. So I don't yeah. get any like caffeine high, but man, like the hydrogen and the nitric oxide like that gets me up and going so much more than just taking two caffeine pills. Well, and so, so it's interesting, right? So there's a recurring trend here with hydrogen in that it seems to amplify or work synergistically with a lot of, I'm not going to say everything, but with a lot of the different agents that you're pairing it with, whether it's a medication or this chemo drug or caffeine or whatever, it seems to be like, like a, like a, like a signal booster almost. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's what I, I've been really trying to push to get more research done on, Yeah, you know, for sure. you know, with other therapies. Right. Um, I, I think that's the future, right? I think we need to start thinking of hydrogen as hydrogen will help you. If you're healthy, deal with acute stress, you know, and it's what we were talking about before we started recording, you yeah. know, we get a lot of biohackers that are like, yeah, I'm so interested in the hydrogen the science of hydrogen, but I don't really notice much. Well, yeah. we're in perfect health. You're not going to notice much. Right. And, and they'll say like, yeah, I don't notice it personally, but I give it to a friend or a family member, or, you know, a client. And they're like, wow, this is like, you know, helping me Amazing. so much. Yeah. For, these, for people like you, like speaking, you know, to any audience members that, that this resonates with, don't take hydrogen every day. Right. Mm -hmm. Take it days that you've dealt with additional stress. So this they, is to the optimized people. To the optimized people, yeah. right? You know, take it days that you didn't get a good sleep or that you worked out extra hard or, you know, you, you ate a bunch of crap, right? You know, like right. on a cheat day or, or you drank too much. Like that's when you should take hydrogen, you know, maybe a few times a week, right? Like, you know, if, if you, you need it, don't take it every day. People who are, dealing with more issues yeah. like me i have arthritis in 11 spots if i don't take hydrogen every day i seize up right and when i i you know when i wash out every three to six months i do seize up i can't work out i'm like the tin man right i, I can't move my joints like I, I can't sleep properly right but i know also that before we started developing this washout strategy, even for me, hydrogen stopped working after like a year and a half, right? I seized up anyways. Oh, interesting. Right? Because I think I'd become completely habituated to it, you right. know, at the most in the time of day. And luckily I knew enough about this area that I'm like, all right, I'm going to give something a try. And I washed out and I think I didn't take it for like two weeks, you know, and I, I wasn't in any more agony because I was already in agony. And then I completely changed the dose and the time of day and the way I was doing it. And a couple of weeks later, I was like back to 
feeling okay. And I'm like, huh. And then I, I, I told that to like some family members and friends who were some of the first ones who were using my hand pressed tablets. Yeah. They had all been reporting the same thing. Like, you know, my mom was like, rheumatoid arthritis it had flared back up and like she was in a lot of pain like you know my dad it was all stiff and you know everything and they washed out and did the same thing like I told them and it was just overwhelmingly everyone's like okay I'm getting the benefits back again Interesting. so we don't have any clinical research on this but, no, but anecdotally you know, anecdotes, and, and there's one really interesting study with, which I think points to this and it was like a five-year study Right. And wow. after it was on, on patients on, on dialysis uh-huh. and a big multicenter study in Japan. And after one year, there were significant benefits. They had better outcomes in the patients, you know, needed lower medications, you know, just significantly outperforming placebo. Then by the end of the five years, there was no difference. Right. Mm-hmm. There was no significance. Right. Yeah. Okay. But they had hydrogen at the same dose at the same time every day. Right. Interesting. And so when you, when you're changing up the dose and the time, so let's say for me right now, I'm doing my two tablets first thing in the morning. So I might switch that up and start doing it at lunch or in the afternoon sometime or split it up, even do one, one, one tablet in the morning and one in the afternoon, instead of doing the two in the morning, just and, yeah, and, and if you're able to do something like this, I know a lot of people like routine, you know, I change it up day to day now too, which right. I think helps. Yeah. Like one day I might take it first thing in the morning, right? Yeah. Then the next day I take it before a workout in the evening, right? right? right. And then, you know, another day a week, I, I don't drink and I bathe, right? Yeah. And I water and get it in that way and, and i kind of skip around you right. know and, you know one other day i might take a smaller dose twice in the day one in the morning and one in the afternoon so i i try and change it up randomly day to day yeah but i know that's tough on people right because people like their routine yeah but you almost what you do what you're doing is you're almost creating different occasions when you might use it right yeah. so on a day when you're going to use the boost which is two tablets of molecular hydrogen yeah. You might say that's my molecular hydrogen use for this, exactly. right? Whereas exactly. on another day. Whereas another day I might take five first thing in the morning. Exactly. Right? So, so let me ask you something. Um, so two other things. So actually you mentioned hydrogen for hangovers and we talked about this before we started recording the podcast um, about when may be the best time. Not that we're not that we're telling people that they should go out and pound yeah, bottles of wine yeah, or anything, yeah, yeah, yeah. but we have a small study. It was very well controlled, you know, um, double blind super control crossover uh, that showed hydrogen uh, greatly improved hangovers, right? And it improved sleep after alcohol. It's actually interesting. Some of the stress markers were interesting. Um, hydrogen might have blunted stress in lower dosages and then, you know, potentiated stress overnight in higher doses because there's three levels of alcohol intake that were done. Right. Um, yeah. You know, and, and it wasn't a set alcohol. It was based on body weight. Right. Too. Oh, okay. Um, All right. You know, but. Uh, so, and this is tough because I know it goes against some of my experiences. It goes against our anecdotes. It goes against what you were saying, but 
it could have just been that things were already corrected. So in this study, hydrogen was taken twice the day before alcohol was done or sorry, in the morning before drinking and yeah. then after the alcohol was consumed before bed. Right, right after, sorry, right after the alcohol was consumed, but before yeah. bed. Okay. Right. Um, and then a hangover test was done in the morning. Yeah. And then either placebo or hydrogen was taken and then the hangover test was done again. But, okay. You know, like it, it was either they took placebo morning before bed next morning yeah. or hydrogen all three times. So okay, the, cool. they didn't get mixed around in, in those three tests. Anyways, uh, hydrogen, the hangover tests right away in the morning were, were significantly better in the hydrogen group. Yeah. They were still better, right, after the morning intervention, but there was not another significant increase. You know what I mean? It basically maintained the improvements, a mm -hmm. slight Oh, like, you mean when they took it again in the morning, after they took it? For, okay, yeah, after so the they morning. Okay, so, so they, they, the, they first morning, Yeah, okay, sorry, go ahead. So the first morning test, hydrogen was significantly better in multiple areas that, than the placebo test. Then they, they took the hydrogen of the placebo and then redid the test half an hour later. So right. second test, hydrogen was still better than placebo, right? Yeah. A little bit more better if that makes sense <laughs> but yeah didn't reach statistical significance i right? see and, and i'm not sure if that's because so much benefit was already done in in the preemptive hydrogen. okay so let me let me just re repeat that to you because i think what you're saying is that the biggest the biggest bump in benefit was seen in the first test that was done in the morning after the night yeah. before. So, and then, there was a, and a then, bump and then it was only a baby bump after that when they took it again in the morning. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, so without a doubt, guys, taking it potentially, if you want to optimize your support from the hydrogen, whatever it's going to be, taking it the morning of, and then taking it before bed, kind of like a lot of people will take an anti-inflammatory when they've gone out drinking, they'll do I, I, like, one of, the, one of the cool things about this study too, the reason I'd say take it the day before yeah. is the hydrogen group was very significant in you sleep was longer and better quality. Yeah. So right away you get a benefit. Yeah. yeah. Better total sleep time and better like combined deep and REM sleep. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, that, so that's, that's a useful tip for you guys. Um, and then the other thing that we talked about that I wanted to touch on was magnesium. You said something about, I couldn't remember which study. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, it was the elderly study and I, I, I forgot. And there was I forgot a about that. Yeah. That mentioned in that elderly study. Um, so basically, you know, there are some things and this is what I, I like telling people. Hydrogen doesn't do the same thing all the time. Like we talk about the metabolic benefits of hydrogen. Mm -hmm. Nothing significance in, in metabolic and like metabolic profiles in the elderly study, but they're all in a normal range. Right. So there was nothing to correct. There was right. a slight trend in cholesterol, but cholesterol wasn't high, you know, yeah. and it was just a, a slight trend. Um, but, you know, same thing, even like they were elderly. So their oxidative stress was a bit higher than normal, but they were healthy elderly. So exactly. it wasn't on the charts bad. Uh, so actually, there, there was a very strong trend, right, 
in improved redox, like, you know, basically uh, less oxidative stress and more antioxidant activity, you know, in, in the elderly study, uh, if there was more participants and it kept up, it would have been significant. Mm -hmm. But again, th this was of note because they weren't that elevated, right? And it still had a, a, a strong trend, uh, but also, you know, interesting. And, and, you know, a lot of people know this is, we're magnesium deficient as a population and actually elderly are the ones who are told by their physicians to take magnesium supplements. So maybe they're less deficient than the average person who doesn't think they need it. But the, the placebo has the same amount of magnesium as the hydrogen tablet. Oh, it does. Okay. And okay. There was a strong trend for higher serum magnesium than in the placebo group, which just goes with what I keep on telling people, the way the tablet works to, to have free magnesium ions in the water yeah. should be significantly more bioavailable than magnesium supplements, right? Because your body doesn't have to do any work to break. Well, break. that and the fact that it's being delivered with the great amplifier that is now becoming known as hydrogen. Yeah. Like, could it be with the, mag again, this synergistic effect with magnesium yeah. and somehow... So, yeah, I mean, that, that could be, I mean, um, or it could be yeah, a piece of it anyway. Yeah. That, that was a strong trend. Um, again, more, more people would have reached statistical significance. This is one thing I, I talk about too, right? Like it, it's, it's hard. If a study is underpowered, not enough people. Yeah. Maybe you don't reach significance because there's not enough people. Yeah. Right. Sure. So in research it, it could be that you see the same trend over and over again, right? But it's never reaching significance. And now it's just, oh, well, hydrogen or anything doesn't do that because it hasn't worked in six trials. Mm -hmm. But if you find those six trials, all of a sudden it's significant. You, yeah. you know what I mean? But the reverse happens because sometimes when a trial is underpowered, you know, you reach significance and it was just a fluke. Right. right. So right, right, right. It, it's really tough to decipher this stuff, but you know, that makes sense because we know that the way we're delivering magnesium should be a lot more bioavailable than magnesium supplements. So there was a strong trend there, you know, and we're going to look at this, this more, but it was the strong trend was what we expected from the biochemistry, you know, oh. uh, of how it worked. Amazing. Uh, but the final one for any older people listening, this was a cool finding uh, they did something called the senior fitness test mm -hmm. and hydrogen oh, yeah. was significantly better than placebo for something called the, the chair stand, right? Mm -hmm. The sit and stand. So you sit down and stand up as many times as you can, right? Which is a big thing for elderly people, right? You know, to, to get well, out depends of on the 70 year old. I know some pretty fit sure. 70 year olds, but yes, sure, sure. <laughs> you know, but uh, actually at the end of the six months, the hydrogen group could sit and stand more times than they could at the beginning. Right. And it was significant over placebo. So, yeah. and they weren't was, training during the six months, just to be clear, no. guys, it's not like they were put they were, on a training plan. They were actually on a national lockdown. So right. 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 So it actually should have gotten worse and it was compared to controls. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. All right. Did we forget anything? I think we got everything. I think we got everything too. I, I think this was a, uh, 
this was a good this was a good conversation. We covered a lot of ground ground we meant to cover and ground that maybe we didn't meant to cover. So um, so I think. In, oh, and the other thing I wanted to say is you mentioned that in in this study. Uh, it didn't affect their metabolism, their blood sugar, cholesterol. But I and you made a really important point that I really want to highlight, and it keeps coming up over and over again, is that it appears that the most significant impact that we we seem to be seeing in molecular hydrogen studies is when there is dysregulation at play, because there are other trials that were done on metabolically dis- people with metabolic dysregulation with blood impaired blood glucose um, response, where the molecular hydrogen did show benefit for those guys. And well, quite significantly. they're very strong, you know, in yeah. like metabolic syndrome and, and non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, you know, yeah. the, uh, the results were, were striking. They were very significant, right? Exactly. But the people had abnormal levels and uh, in this study, they did not. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that's important to what what we expect too, and it's what I always say is if your levels are healthy, don't expect hydrogen to do anything for that particular area. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's that's just not how hydrogen works. Hydrogen is kind of like a supervisor in your cells. When things yeah. are going wrong, it, it goes and tries and and fix what's going wrong. If everything's going right, it's not going to just go and alter that. That that just is not how hydrogen works. Yeah. Molecular hydrogen, the if it ain't fixed, if it ain't broke, don't fix it molecule. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fine. I'll I won't quit my day job, whatever that is. Um all right. So I think we've pretty much covered it all. I actually do you want to talk about last thing, I guess for full transparency is that so you author some of these trials. You've provided molecular hydrogen for the trials as well, all in the name of getting more bloody data on this stuff. Yeah, <laughs> so, and I, I want to, I you know, clarify kind of this stuff. Yeah. Like, I'm, at a, I'm at it as an author on some of these trials because of my contributions, right? And that's yeah. how academia works, right? Um, I, I'm on a lot of calls discussing, discussing some of the mechanisms, discussing tablet technology. Um, they, they basically like, it's how academia works. I'm an author at that point, right? right. Um, in basically all of these trials, I don't own the data or the rights to publish the data. Perfect. So I might give a small donation, yeah. right, to, to the trial. To, like to a the product. Universe. A product sometimes have some additional funds so that they yeah. can expand the trial. Um, Always they have their own grant funds and their own staffing and everything like that. Okay. You know, when you want to think of a trial on the private market might cost say $300,000 and I donate 10. Okay. You know what I mean? So it's like, I'm not. You're not owning it. (laughs) Exactly. I'm not enriching these professors labs by any means. It's just their grant might cover all of these things. And we start talking like, man, like, it's just, it'll be such a better study if we can measure this too. And they're like, well, I don't really have the funds to do that because most labs are always on a budget trying to figure sure. out what they can do on the budget. So I'll donate product and placebo and maybe a little bit extra funds if it's, it's a, a study I want to do. Um, but they have final authority on protocol, mm-hmm. right? So I don't have a say in what the protocol is. And they have final right on if they want to publish the data. 
right? So most private companies have rights to own the data and they pay the $300,000, not donate the okay, 10. Okay, well, I'm so glad so, we brought this up. Yes. So, yeah. So what that does is that lets them control the protocol so they can set it up in a way that makes gives it the best chance of working, even though even if it's not practical, right? Yeah. And it won't help people in the real world. Uh, and if it doesn't work, they can throw it in the garbage. They bury it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't believe that's right. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that's bad for the truth, bad for science. So at the end of the day, on all of our trials, it's always the research teams of professors that have the right on if they want to publish data or not. Cool. Right. And, and there's other things like, I mean, there, there's studies, you know, recently that there's things I thought were important that I'm like, okay, you should report this, but it didn't hit significance or it's more, mostly anecdotal, but the, the small subgroups or the, the, you know, anecdotes are exactly in line with what we'd expect. And I think that information should be out there, but you know, the professors might say, well, we can't start sub analyzing right. groups like that. That's not how we do science. I have no say. Yeah. You, yeah. you know what I mean? So this is what I really like making sure people realize that we're very involved in research, mm-hmm. but we try and keep this line of separation, right. To ensure that we're not controlling the research and, and greatly influencing it. Amazing. Thank you. Well, I'm glad we brought that up. So I think we're done. I think, uh, I think for this time we're kind of done ish. So um Alex, thank you as always for your time and thank you for your support. I will, you know, come out with it and thank you for sponsoring the, the podcast. You guys um, have been amazing this year in, um, in, in your support for this podcast and all the different things that I talk about. And um, it's, uh, and I personally like, you know, I'm pretty, I've been lucky that I'm, I can still be pretty darn picky about who my sponsors are. So if it's the kind of thing, like if I wasn't going to talk about it in the first place, or if I was embarrassed to talk about it, it just wouldn't fly. So. Yeah. I, I, I share those values. <laughs> I know we talked about it at length. So guys, if you don't know about Alex's further thoughts on all this stuff, then you can go listen to our episode from last year. And I think I published it probably in Octo- at the very beginning in October of November of 2020. Um, and that was a, another really good episode, but I think they're just going to keep getting better and better as you get more and more of this data in and more, more trials published. So thanks for everything that you do. And why don't we tell people where they can find you if you want to be found in the first place. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, if you want to read any of my blogs and everything, they're at, uh, for the time being, they're at drinkhrw.com. Yeah. Right? I think we're separating to a content website that's devoted just totally to content because so much of our content doesn't have to do with hydrogen water. It has to do with biohacking reviews. It has to do with philosophy, right? Like yeah. all that type of stuff. So we're, we're, and now that we have so many other content writers too, you know, PhDs, MDs that are contributing articles. Um, I think we're going to segue to another website, but I don't handle any of that stuff, you know, so. All right. Uh, <laughs> but for now, drinkhrw.com. Um, I know it's at drinkhrw on like Instagram and stuff too, but 
yeah, for like my blogs and articles and newsletters and everything, go to thedrinkhrw.com. Awesome. Thank you. And guys, you can get a 10% discount on all your molecular hydrogen products at drinkhrw.com with promo code longevity10. And on that note, I think we will say goodbye and let you get go soak in that tub of hydrogen to get ready for your workout today. That's <laughs> good. All right. Take care. Thanks so much, Alex. All right. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes because that's what helps us to be heard and to be seen. If you'd like to connect with me directly, or if you'd like to leave any comments, or if you have any questions about this episode, please reach out to me directly through my website, mattnidham.com. And of course, if you're not already a member of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Community on Facebook, that's where you'll find me every day. It's a short application. Just answer a couple of questions and you're in and interfacing with other amazing biohackers. Thanks again, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode.